Coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key. And this is The Gun Experiment. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I talk to the editor of Concealed Carry Magazine, review my new holster, and play a round of Rapid Fire Recipe. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share this show with friends. And as always, I cannot start the show without the big man across the table. Big Keith is in the house. Big Keith, how we doing? Doing very well. Excited to be here. Turkey Day, our second Turkey Day episode. Yeah, it's kind of exciting. Yeah, it is kind of exciting. I felt like the last one kind of snuck up on us. We didn't even really know it was a Turkey Day episode until we were doing it. I do remember it being very like, oh no, we need a Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So how's your day been? How's your week been? Uh, It's been pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything exciting going on. Nothing that we want to necessarily discuss on the air. Uh, Nothing too crazy private either, I guess. I don't want to get anyone thinking there's something juicy going on behind the (laughs) scenes or anything. Um, Yeah, no, work has been good. Life is good. The podcast is going well. Um, I, this is like what forty one episodes or something. I, so it's I think. in the forties now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool too. Almost halfway to the magic one hundred. Is that um, is is there is that a thing? Is magic one hundred a thing in podcast? It seems like it would be. I don't know. Could important. Be. Seems important. Yeah, a hundred of anything is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I lost a hundred pounds. So there you go. That, that was a good thing. I found a hundred dollars. That's amazing. Did you really? No, nah, I didn't. But oh, it sounded that, great. That would be good. Yeah. yeah. My my kid is uh, my son Grayson. He's uh, um, on his way to a hundred dollars in his wallet, and he's yeah. like up to ninety one dollars. And he's just like, "How do I get to a hundred? Isn't that a school thing? Like a hundred days of school? Isn't that like a big thing? Oh, I never knew that. In elementary school, I think it you is. You give a yeah. dollar a day or something? No, it's just at a hundred days they do a celebration at school. I think. Oh, they don't give a hundred dollars. No, no, he no. he wants a hundred dollars. Oh, well, he's I mean, he's got like I said, ninety bucks and ninety one dollars in his wallet, and he's like, "I just I, I just want a hundred bucks, Dad. Wow. Can you just give me nine dollars? Like, no, you can go like mow the lawn or something." entrepreneurial though yeah he wants that money he wants that money all right so do me a favor keith give our listeners one way in which you would like them to try and support the show for us i would like them to sign up for the email list because it's the only one that i would actually do okay and i do recall uh last week you said that i could make a sound bite if we got enough of them and i got a bunch of them hey happy anniversary oh my god hold on hold on hey happy anniversary oh my god that is so terrible please Uh, do not play that for my wife oh my wife was like you should send becky that she can make it her ringtone oh my gosh all right so we're almost it's almost time for our guests to get on here but before they do let's talk about our show sponsor so our show sponsor for tonight is spartan armor systems obviously we had the opportunity to test out their product we loved the product i was very happy when i was able to work out a deal with them uh and like i said last week I, I wouldn't, originally the deal was just, it was just, hey, go to our site and buy stuff. And I yeah. said, I have to get a discount. Uh, and they were nice enough to give us a 15% discount for all of our listeners. So with the discount code GUNEXPERIMENT15, you will get 15% off. So make sure to use that, support them, support us, and get yourself a banging deal. And if you're anything like a melon and you use it, you'll just get bruised. Yeah, just bruised. Just bruised. <laughs> All right. Anyway, our guest tonight has been teaching and working in the firearms industry for nearly two decades. She is the author of Women's Handgun and Self-Defense Fundamentals, the editor of Concealed Carry Magazine, and creator of a popular women's focus USCCA blog column, 
please welcome Beth Alcazar to the show. Beth, how you doing? Hello. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. This is probably my favorite time of the year, right before Thanksgiving, and the weather in Alabama is sort of cooperating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love Thanksgiving. It's definitely one of my favorite holidays, yep. and um, New York falls are beautiful, so the gun laws are not, but the falls are. But the falls are, yeah. <laughs> At and least I, you got something nice. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I look forward. This I get excited because the snow is coming. You know, I, I'm like, I love the winter. Yeah, you're like a polar bear. I'm like a polar bear. It's like my, it's like my optimal engine running temperature is below zero. Absolutely, absolutely. I would agree with that. You always, <laughs> you always, you always seem like uh, you're happier in the winter. One hundred percent. Yeah. So, Beth, um, I have to tell you, when I was researching you and all your stuff, you have a seriously impressive amount of firearms training designations to your name, and. I was going to talk about them, but I couldn't remember them all. So <laughs> I literally have a list here and I have to read this for our audience. So uh, Beth is certified through the NRA as a training counselor, chief range safety officer, and certified instructor for multiple disciplines. She's a certified instructor through Six Hour Academy, Alice Institute, Draw School, TWAW, and ICE Training, and is a USCCA certified instructor and senior training counselor. Beth, do you carry all of those certifications with you all the oh, time? Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I have a hard copy, a photocopy. No, of course not. <laughs> those are a lot of letters, but uh, definitely a lot of fun as well. I'm, I'm super proud to have gone through that and always look for more training. What's next, yes. you know? Yeah, it's awesome. So when did you know you wanted to be in this industry and, and tell us how you got started? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, about... Let's see. My first SHOT Show, y'all are going to love this, was the year 2000. So after the Y2K crazies and all that insanity that went on back then, um, I had the pleasure of attending my very first SHOT Show. And it was in Las Vegas that year, even though back in the days it kind of flip-flopped around. But at that time, I was just kind of shadowing someone in the industry and just trying to learn from him. My educate my background was education and my education was also education. So I was thinking I was going to, you know, continue to teach on a collegiate level. I was going to, you know, maybe make that my career and my focus and go on to get my doctorate. But kind of life interrupted those plans just a little bit. And so I always kept this kind of background running with the outdoor industry or with the shooting hunting industry where I would ghostwrite or I would edit or I would help out here and there, never thinking that I really had a place for an actual career, never feeling like I could actually do something worthwhile or meaningful. You know, um, really life collided about, about 10 years ago or so. Um, I was getting a little tired of the the teaching side of things. I felt really boxed in. I felt kind of disheartened and maybe frustrated by just the roles and the regulations and everybody kind of sticking you in that little proverbial box and you can't get out and you can't really be yourself and you can't really be expressive or energetic or fun. So I was kind of thinking, hmm, what should I do with the rest of my life? Uh, second career? Is that stupid? Is that a good idea? But um, we had an incident here at uh, my daughter's junior high, the middle school here. An armed gunman actually came into the school and held five of the young girls hostage. And wow. that was about eight years ago. Yeah, it was it was a crazy time. I, I, I mean, you've talked about this a few times yes. in interviews. And 
I, I was really hoping you brought this story up to because I, I have a ton of questions about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just one of those average days. It was February and just hanging out on the Facebook social media side, just you know, reviewing some of the things that people were doing, what their pets were doing, what their kids were doing. Um, unfortunately, there were some different messages and some chatter about what was going on at the middle school and school buses weren't being released and they were concerned it was going on lockdown. So it was very confusing and very scary. And I saw a lot of my my friends and community members making comments about just being fearful and unsure. Luckily, there was an armed resource officer there. This was in the wake of Newtown. So a yeah. lot of the schools in the yeah, a lot of the schools around here were making sure we had a little bit extra protection and um, help just in case anything should arise. And I don't know what would have happened if he had not been there. Yeah, Thank God. He, yeah. Thank God. He diffused the situation in about 15, 20 minutes. So there you go. A good guy with a firearm was able to stop a bad guy with a firearm. And we have no idea what that man, what his intent was. That was my next question. Yeah. He used to work at the junior high, so they had recognized him and thought, oh, we know this face. We know this guy. And that's how he actually entered the school is they saw him, they recognized him, and they let him in. But that was definitely a turning point for me. Yeah, a and, wi- an eye-opening event, right? Exactly. Like, I mean, that. yeah, I mean, how could it not be? That's six miles from my home, basically. It's not national headlines, national news. This is my home, my community, the school, the gym where my daughter had just finished up basketball or had just played basketball a couple of weeks prior. And I guess that's when all my worlds kind of collided. So I had this background in education, and I did have a little background shadowing someone in the shooting, hunting, outdoor industry. But I didn't have a lot of focus on firearms, especially not for home protection or self-protection or everyday carry. And that's when the wheels really started turning for me. And my focus became safety and firearms and helping other people and getting my family up to speed and just making sure we were prepared and ready. So that was really the starting point for me to get into the the industry because I didn't grow up with guns. I'm not from law enforcement. I'm not from military background. And I hate to say it was kind of a scary moment that really prompted this. And but usually I realized, is. When, you yeah. And, if you didn't grow up, if you didn't grow up with them, like, like, you know, some people, yeah. I, Mike and I did, you know, if you didn't grow up around them or you weren't a hunter, you, you, most people that get into them later in life have an experience like this, you know? Now, for you, it kind of put that situation pushed you towards the gun industry. Well, I but, think more pushed you more towards like the defensive side of the gun yes, industry, right? But for a right. lot of people, it, it almost has the opposite effect, right? It makes people go, I don't want guns are terrible and this could have been yeah. horrible. Yeah, I suppose that's did true. Did you see that in your community? Like, did you see people like that yeah, opposite side of it? Yeah, that's awesome question. Luckily, I personally didn't see that happening, but I actually, my best friend was living in, she's still in Connecticut, but at the time she was telling me that obviously there were many, many people in that area after the Newtown event that were very against firearms. Mm-hmm. Here, I didn't hear that as much. Of course, this is the South. You yeah, know, it's yeah. Alabama. And yeah. It is different. Have, yeah, people have guns and are are usually growing up with firearms, way of especially life. for hunting. Exactly, exactly. So what your friend described is not far off. I mean, we're not terribly far from Newtown, and and uh, it was happening in around us. You know, people were were you know 
calling for people to burn their weapons, you know, in, uh, so it's definitely and still are <laughs> and still are in New York, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see that here. And luckily none of the friends or people in my community seem to, to have that attitude. And for me, like you mentioned, it really pushed me into the self-defense mindset and, you know, that kind of feeling of vulnerability and, and helplessness was, was very important because, you know, for us moms, especially, we're often the first responder. If something should happen to our children, we spend a lot of time with them. We're often mm-hmm. still home with them or, you know, picking them up from school or taking them different places. And for me, it was just really important that it wasn't enough to have guns in the home. I needed to know everything yeah. I could know about guns. And Get that's comfortable with them, right? Really, yeah. And that's what really prompted my deep dive, as it were, into learning and training and growing. And it hasn't stopped. You know, that was eight years or 10 years ago now that it kind of started. And I'm still going, I'm still learning. I'm still looking for whatever that next class is or that next learning experience is. Well, now you're so comfortable that I've read that you always carry two firearms. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, that's kind of, I don't know. I didn't mean for that to become my shtick or anything. But it kind of did, I guess. I think I, I don't carry was... two firearms. Yeah, I, I mean, gotta you say, know, you're not I, the only person I know that does. That's like really oh no. I, I, there's a couple people, other people I know that do carry too. I, I but I, I, I thought about it. Like I have that little snub nose, and I was like, oh, I should put this on my ankle, right? You know, but well, I, I don't do it. Well, that's a that's kind of the guy mentality. But think of the girl mentality now too. Well, you have a million places to put a second well, firearm. Yeah, you know? and it's an it's kind of like an on body and an off body. Right. I do both. You know, yeah. and being supportive of all the women out there that are told you can't carry in a bag or that's going to get stolen or that's a terrible idea. Well, I'm trying to live and prove a concealed carry lifestyle for, for both, no matter what you decide. (laughs) Now it's your thing. So now what is that? I don't know. That's scary. I guess. (laughs) Is your backup firearm always the same? Like, do you, is it, yeah, yeah. For me, yes. Um, what my, is it? My backup gun is a Springfield Springfield Armory XDS. Oh, I had one of those. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I use that in a lot of competitions as well, and I feel like you know you got to put your money where your mouth is. You got to live yes. the life, as it were. So, sure. I what's your to, primary? What's your yeah? Primary? My oh, my primary. It that changes. That does change oh, yeah. because that's going to be an on body carry. And, yes. You know, depending on the the weather, the clothes, the event. The, the event. Um, right now, it's probably usually going to be my SIG 365, but um, every Mike's every gun. once in a while, yeah, every once in a while, it's still the Glocks. Uh, oh my gosh, my mind went blank. 43. 43, yeah. 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 Nice. So, all right. So you're both a writer and a firearms instructor. You do both and, and a lot of other things. But if you could only do one of them for the rest of your life, which would it be? Oh my gosh, what an incredible question. I think I would still want to teach because I love those light bulb moments and that um, watching people really understand and and change and, and be excited about safety and learning. And I can't get that just by producing something on paper that someone reads at their leisure. Right. So. Well, you, you know what the difference is? Because I've had the opportunity to get, get some new shooters involved. Keith has as well. We've done some of that together. Um, I've read, wrote, written a couple of silly blogs, nothing crazy. But when you write something or even when you produce a podcast, you don't know who's listening. There's no face with it. 
But when you're actually with someone and you see that aha moment, as mm-hmm. Keith likes to say, we like to get them to ring steel offhand at 100 yards. Yep. When you see that happen, you see that they look back at you like, I just did that. Yep. It's this kind of like moment where you get that connection with the person. And you don't get that through blogging and podcasting and that right. kind of stuff. Right? Yeah. And that that part is amazing. I wouldn't trade that for the world. I think that's why so many people who are educators, trainers, instructors, I mean, that's that's part of the joy. It's very rejuvenating and it's exciting to be able to, you know, make a difference in someone's life, especially with a topic as important as guns. Tell us a little bit about uh, USCCA and and maybe why people should consider becoming a member. Oh my gosh, you know, USCCA to me is just the best organization. If people don't know, I've said it so many times, but I literally pursued them relentlessly until they gave me a job. Um, (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Yeah, and, and part of that is because they had as much belief as I did in the training and education side. So now we like to basically tell people that we're an organization that's all about training, education, and advocacy. But for those who are interested, USCCA members can get access to self-defense liability insurance. Unless you live in New York. Well, exactly. And there are some problem states, but that's the beauty of at least our membership. There's so many just numerous value-added segments and resources. So even if the self-defense liability insurance is not something that's useful or allowed or whatever the term is in your area, it does give you access to you know, the concealed carry magazine subscription and protector Academy and different discounts and lots of different resources for people who are just looking for answers wherever they are in their journey. So Beth, I won't put you on the, on the hot seat with this one because I know it's not really your area of USCCA, but so the insurance thing, I had another company's insurance uh, a while back and then they were kind of the last man standing, so to speak here in New York. And then they they kind of caved as well. Yeah. They dropped and you, right? They, they, they dropped me. Yeah, they yeah. just flat out dropped me. And uh, at first they had said we would grandfather in any old members and just not take new. And then they just dropped everybody. But again, this is more, I'm asking Beth. I'm not asking Beth from USCCA. Right. Do you think that that's just like a thing where it's like, it's just not worth the fight for anyone and New Yorkers, you're kind of on your own? Or do you think that there is stuff in the works, in your opinion, that like people are trying to figure this out and fix this? Oh, people are definitely trying to figure this out. People are working so hard to try to understand what the limitations are or what the uh, loopholes or yeah, what the uh, who the hoops might be because there's right. so many. I mean, that's one one reason I think USCCA currently is fighting for reciprocity because it becomes so confusing. We can't keep up from one location to the next. And I mean, in some places you can't keep up one county to the next and it would be so much easier if we had one answer across the board, but do know that there are many people in our organization who totally understand where you guys are coming from, but that's why um, with our membership, we do offer other things just besides. Yeah, the, to add the value, you know, right? Yeah, we, we're doing our best to always, I mean, Tim Schmidt, who's owner and CEO, is always trying to look at the next level. How do we improve? How are we going to be better? It's like, he can never sit still and accept where we are, even though it's stellar. So I love that fact. And again, for me personally, this is just Beth, not USCCA's employee Beth. But 
when I pursued USCCA years ago, honestly, I was pursuing the education and training side of things. And that self-defense liability insurance was just kind of like, I don't know, the the cherry on top. It, it yeah. didn't even register to me, even though obviously there's so much value and importance to it. I was so focused on all the other goodies that I'm going to use potentially on a daily basis, something that I can think about, something that I can put into action rather than thinking about self-defense liability insurance, which hopefully nobody ever has to use because they never are put in a situation that requires them to you know, use a weapon of opportunity or a firearm or anything else to try to protect themselves or someone they love. So. Well, next time you talk to Tim, tell him there are at least two guys that have a podcast in New York <laughs> that are super interested in being able to figure this out with yeah. him. And if he wants to come on the show and talk to us, we would love to have that conversation. Yeah. So I'll, we, I'll see if I can make that work for you we guys. Would love I'll it. pull we, a, f- a couple strings. We, uh, <laughs> we've talked about it quite a few times. We've had a... Um, we had a lawyer on once that we, we talked oh, a little yeah. bit about with it. And it's it's just, it's so frustrating as a, a, a normal law-abiding citizen and, and knowing what you would have to go through in New York for mm. a, a, a perfectly legitimate reason to self-defense. And, and you would still, yeah. in New York, end up on the balls of your butt. We you really know? honestly, you know, we live in the land of the anti-gunner, you know, which actually brings me to my next question for you. So I noticed that um, you wrote an article. It was entitled Pick Your Battles Dealing with the Anti-Gun Crowd. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a great title. Uh, and I, it kind of rang out to me because of where we live. So I just had a conversation with a, one of these crowd members the other day. Yeah. Can you give us uh, some of your top tips for dealing with people who don't respect our rights to gun ownership? <laughs> You know, this is one of my favorite topics. I love this. I taught one of the classes I taught in college was critical thinking. And I think across the board, that's something we're lacking in society today. Just this ability to to look at arguments or look at discussions or look at what the media is telling you or look at what someone who disagree with you, who disagrees with you is saying and just really kind of pick that apart in a way where you can better understand them and better answer them. And when it comes to the anti-gun crowd, it's it's to me interesting that so many of us have this kind of stereotype in our head where all these folks are holding signs, you know, that guns kill kids and, you know, the blood's on your hands, enough is enough, and all the different kinds of uh, organizations that pop up in your mind. But honestly, the ones that are anti-gun that we usually have to deal with and actually interact with could be your own family members. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. or your Well, it's funny you say that because last Thanksgiving, <laughs> that was our sort of one of our yes. Thanksgiving topics was how to have polite conversation at the dinner table and yeah. avoid the political stuff. So you're, it's very true. I mean, a, a lot, year later, we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's, well, it's, you should talk about it every year. It's so yeah. important and valuable because yeah. we're still going to go sit at the Thanksgiving day table. All right. Or, so Beth, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Give me three, your three top tips oh gosh, to deal with the other tips. side. Okay. I would say number one, listen, for common ground. And when I say listen, I mean actively pay attention. And if you can find some kind of commonality or if you can find something that you both come to the table with and agree with, maybe that's a good uh, starting point. For instance, nobody wants innocent lives to be injured, harmed, or killed. And commonality would be safety and 
um, training. Maybe, I don't know, that could be something. Um, another one would, oh gosh, don't bring up politics. I think that's mm. a good one. Um, we oftentimes want to see guns, gun rights as right or left or conservative or liberal or Republican or Democrat. And it's not, it's, it's an American, it's a law abiding thing. And when we bring up politics, unfortunately, the parts of the brain that actively engage when dealing with politics are directly linked to the areas of the brain that define who we are. And so you're not just arguing with someone very lightly here. If you deal with politics, you could be dealing with their foundational beliefs. And no matter what you do, they're either likely to shut down or become even more convinced they're right if you start to try to change their political views. And of course, the Constitution shouldn't be political. The Second Amendment shouldn't be political anyway. It's a natural I like that. Yeah. We've had this conversation before where we've said, uh, I remember the guest specifically, but the Second Amendment wasn't always, it, it used to be more apolitical. And, yeah, yeah. you know, you look back to like, uh, like when Kennedy was president, you know, like he wasn't really like a, like an anti Second Amendment president, you know, mm. and, um, a lot of it has has kind of been sort of used for political gain. And when you think about it, the purpose of the Second Amendment is your right to, to protect yourself, right? And your family yeah. and your country. And I've said this before, like everyone has the right to enjoy that, everybody. And so I, I really, really agree with that second point because I yep. think the the more we make it a, look, you can vote for all the left left-wing stuff you want, but this is one we should both enjoy. That's I- right. I had a I had one Beth the other day I was having this conversation and Mike has already heard about it and he gave me a good comeback but it stumped me and the argument was was isn't it a contradiction that the Second Amendment is for a well um, you know well regulated militia and that you could be uh, if you try to overthrow the government you could be a terrorist or a you know a, a treasonist. And, and, and the person is, was from another country and they were like, that, that seems like a bit of a contradiction, doesn't it? And it really had stumped me. And then I had this conversation with Mike and he gave me an excellent comeback for the next time. And that was in the country was founded on rebels. And that's, you're not a tyrant if you win. Right. Our founding fathers were terrorists, essentially, you know, I mean, they were rebels. Yeah. They were rebels. If, if they had lost, they would have been framed as, you know, as uh, traitors to their country. But do you have a different perspective on it? And like I said, I was, I I feel like I'm a pretty good, you know, uh, debater, but this one was just, just stumped me. I just didn't know what to say after that. Well, I think you're totally on the right track, though, with that. And we also have to consider arguments from even uh, Martin Luther King Jr. You know, we have a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. Yeah. And I think that's where um, they would say they would say that, they would say we're taking Martin Luther King out of context. Yeah, potentially. I, I can see that 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 would be maybe a diff- difficult argument to have. But I mean, when it boils down to the ability to protect life, I think I try to simplify it as much as possible and just ask people or maybe turn it on them by saying, you know, are you worth protecting? It it all boils down to that. If you say, yes, you are worth protecting, your child is worth protecting, we are worth protecting, then I think we need to realize that, you know, it's up to us to be responsible 
and to make choices that work for ourselves individually and for our families as well. And that's kind of, like you said, that's what America was founded on. We weren't founded on let's let's obey every single law that's thrown at us, even the ones that could be detrimental to our freedoms or to our livelihood. Um, but yeah, that that's a that's a deeper discussion if they don't want to discuss some of the great thinkers and philosophers out there. <laughs> one one more Beth uh, Beth point to take away, and then we'll move on. So before she does that, can I just point out, because I know we have people are listening, I do not think our founding fathers were uh, terrorists. terrorists or no. rebels. We'll, rebels. Say, we'll <laughs> say rebels. Yeah. We'll say rebels. Rebels is, has a nice ring to it. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Not terrorists. So <laughs> uh, another, another point that came up from this crowd was AR-15s were designed for killing people. Yeah. Um, that one I have a discussion Oftentimes, we talk about the difference between design and intent, and I, I don't really agree with the fact that people say guns are designed to kill. I think they can be intended to kill. This is where we're putting personification into the mix, and we're putting um, all these human characteristics and thinking processes on inanimate objects, and that's where we're really – we got to stop. We got to draw the line. Um that's also a hard discussion to have, but uh, if well, people my re- are willing to listen. Yeah. <laughs> my response was, what What makes it designed to kill just because it doesn't have a wood stock? And, uh, you know, I, I didn't understand. Like, it's no different than any firearm. Well, and it was designed to launch projectiles down a tube of some sort, no matter what the firearm is. It's designed sure. to launch uh, projectiles at high velocity. Yep. Right. That's ultimately the design. Is the intent to kill or stop a threat? Sure, it can be. But I think that's where we all get confused because none of my weapons are assault weapons. They're all defense weapons. And that's right. where we really have to, again, right. try to define this in a way that's you know, we can't give human characteristics to inanimate objects. They have no desire to do anything. They have no thought to process. And to say it was designed to kill is really pushing it. It was maybe intended to, yeah. but the blueprint doesn't say anything, I don't think, about right. how the mechanics yeah. of a firearm kill people. And honestly, if they're designed to kill, none of my guns work. <laughs> well, the, 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 the way that I always look at it is if that was their design, if that's the way that they want to interpret it, then I, I want one that will do an effective job of stopping somebody who would try to harm my family. Exactly. Why only exactly. leave it in the hands of the person that wants to harm me? I want to have equal stopping power. Yep. Yep. You know? Yeah, absolutely. All of those work if somebody will listen. <laughs> sure. Have you had any time in your career as a writer where that the fact that you're a writer has been overshadowed by by what your you know what your inspiration is to work towards the you know the self defense side of the and and being in the firearms industry. I had read something that there was a time where you um, there was like a career day and you oh, weren't allowed. I see where you're going. With you weren't this. allowed to talk about the <laughs> firearm side of it. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's um, it's unfortunate, but it happens a lot for me. Again, I. Um, I'm a mom for sure before I'm anything else. And that's how a lot of people see me and I'm glad they do. And a couple years back, my son, uh, the before COVID before the pandemic and the world changing, right. Uh, he had a career day. I think it was in his first grade class and he was super excited and wanted mom to come and speak to the class. I'm sure he's very proud of you. 
Well, and yeah, I, I hope so. And they brought home this flyer and it had all sorts of different jobs and careers, you know, pastors, police officers, teachers, scientists. And I was like, hmm, this should be intriguing. Yeah. So I reached out to the school and filled out my little application form and explained who I was and what I did. And they immediately wrote back and said, oh, Ms. Alcazar, yeah, we can't have you sharing <sighs> anything about guns in our school. We're afraid that that could influence children. And that was kind of put through their counselor and the principal, and they all kind of came to this conclusion. And I thought, wow, so you're telling me you could have a pastor or somebody right. else of a religious nature or institute, and that's not going to influence the children. That's an intriguing aspect. I'm not influencing anybody by supporting a Second Amendment of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was very, it was disheartening. So did they? They only did they end up allowing you to talk about that at all, or were you only allowed they to did talk? Not. So you were only allowed to discuss that you were a writer. Uh, correct. And at that time, it was before the. Um, women's handgun and self-fundamentals book came out. So I was able to kind of show some magazines and some articles, but I had to be really cautious, you know, that I didn't let too much of a, a photo show a gun or anything else just in case. So I had to really limit myself to what, what I was able to share. What was the response from the students? Were they interested, do you think? Oh my gosh, they were so interested. They were like, oh my gosh, you you put the words in those books and magazines and they <laughs> were so cool. pumped up about it. But it was disheartening because I couldn't tell them exactly what Not, I did and, and why. It, and, it, and it seems like what you're describing is only because the administration was fearful of yep. what people who were against guns would do. Exactly, which was probably a very small percentage, honestly. Yeah, well, um, in Alabama, yeah. I would think, yeah, right? But yeah. You know, not to not to minimize what what you went through, but I can sort of relate a little bit and it's not even on the level that, that you're talking about. But in my day job, a lot of times I'll go to work from like, you know, after a weekend and someone will say, Oh, how was your weekend? What did you do? And what I really did was I, you know, I went to the shooting range or I worked on, <laughs> I worked on, I built an AR, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. And I'm like, I can't tell them this because they're going to, you know, it, yeah. it's not going to, not that they wouldn't, I mean, nothing would happen to me. I wouldn't get fired. Well, anything. my shooting activities are fuds, so I can, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you they're, they're, they're grandpa shooting yeah. trap. I, and now, I will say in recent years, though, I have gotten much more like, I'm going to tell you what I did. Yeah. And if it makes you uncomfortable, well, I'm sorry it made you uncomfortable. I, yeah. I don't mean to, but it's a normal activity that a lot of people enjoy. Yeah. So. Well, and I travel a lot for work, so I'm on an airplane a lot. And you know how those conversations will always get stirred up where someone's like, oh, hey, you know, where are you off to? Oh, is it business or pleasure? You yeah. know, it never fails that someone will ask, <laughs> and what do you do for work? And I would say, luckily for me, I would say the majority of the time I've had really really great response. People getting excited or wanting to get information, where to find more. I had a lady in front of me turn around and say, I have been wanting for so long to learn how to be safe with a guy. And I just was scared to do it because I thought it was all going to be guys. And hmm. so it's, it's definitely not anymore. Some good conversations. That's but, actually... Uh, that's actually a really good segue for what I wanted to ask you next because, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, because I, obviously a lot of what you do is you sort of advocate for the female side of, uh, of gun ownership, right? And 
we've had a, our fair share of female guests on yeah. the show. We're, I, I'm very proud of that. You know, they like came a, fast. We had our first one, and then we're you're like I don't know five avalanche, four? yeah, <laughs> something yeah. like that. You know, and I'm just very happy that we're able to get so many so many females to participate on the show. You know, so they what, must like us. Maybe I mean we're, we're we're friendly guys, right? We're nice. They heard my totally. happy. They heard my happy anniversary kiss soundbite. <laughs> uh, so why do you feel firearms uh, interest was so male centric for so long, and and why the sudden change? Because now females are just taking the industry by storm. You know, and again, some of the some of this I've been able to observe, especially starting out at my first shot show in the year 2000, just kind of looking at the difference then uh, with the companies or with the people that worked in the industry versus now is so different. So many more women now. But I think um, maybe it was really only the last decade or so that women decided, hey, I need to take I need to take my safety and protection into my own hands. I, I need to be personally responsible for my family. I need options. And instead of uh, getting involved through maybe more traditional ways like um, a dad or a granddad bringing a, a young girl on a hunting trip, which doesn't happen a lot, but it certainly happens. Or instead of a, a young woman being introduced to firearms through shooting sports or competition, which again, it happens, but not a lot. I think women are now flooding into the industry because of that self-protection and personal defense side. They're seeing options are good and guns aren't going away. And for all these people who for years tried to say women can't do it or we're not capable, they're willing to try it out for themselves and break the mold and, you know, look and research and try and, and see what the options are for them. So I think that's been a huge driving force. Unfortunately, you know, bad things happening all around us and the media picking up on it and whatever, but still <laughs> that might be not the best way to entice someone into the industry, but it certainly has opened eyes and opened doors. Uh, to kind of follow up on that, as a subculture, because I consider it like sort of gun owners yeah. as a bit of a subculture, right? How do we continue to make gun ownership more mainstream? And I and I want to just clarify, I know, I know you get it, but for the listeners... When I say mainstream, we have to normalize it. We have to make it in this bring is my it back word, apolitical. Apolitical, and I kind yeah. of think it, you got to kind of bring a little bit of a cool factor to it. You know, like the, I always say uh, like, that we're not going to win this with old fat white guys. You know, yeah. we're going to win this by bringing in <laughs> other people. Oh my gosh, the normalization is a huge factor, and it's it's great for my three kids have grown up with firearms. Some of them, the youngest the youngest two, pretty much their entire lives, they've known guns and it, they don't even think twice about it. It's as normal as having a phone or, you know, a pencil sharpener or yeah, whatever. Definitely. It's, it's totally completely normal and appreciated as far as just as far as being an American, as far as having protected liberties and rights. Um, along with that too, I think we need to continue to highlight the changing face of firearms and help people see the, this is my opinion anyway. I think the media and I think anti-gun folks are absolutely freaked out about the amount of women or minorities that yes. are very, very yeah, the supportive. One that, the of one the that comes amendment. to mind for me, Beth, Koya Noir comes to mind. And a lot of people go, oh, you know, because... He's a black man in America and he's very pro-gun. But that's not what does it for me. 
what I find so unique about him is what I had said earlier, which is he makes gun ownership cool. He's into That's cool right. cars. He you know, he wears a Yankees hat. He's like he's just a regular like cool guy. He dresses really nice. Where actually he's got firearms on his dresser in his bedroom. <laughs> exactly, but <laughs> bowl, candy bowls with bullets in them. Yeah, um, you know, like one of the things that I had become very disenfranchised with the NRA because the NRA. They just can't seem to modernize as hard as they try. And obviously, Colin Noir was with them for a while, but uh, they just seem to never be able to modernize. And I was looking through USCCA, and you guys do a really nice job of highlighting a more modern shooter, in my opinion. Well, and I think I've said it a, a couple of times now. I think if you look around at the industry, how much it's changed, especially over the last five years or so, we're looking more and more like America. We're we're not looking like a segment of America. We are truly in this, representative of all of America now. In this section, in firearms section, you know, yep. we're we're losing our identity as Americans in a lot of other ways. But yeah. in, in the firearms section, I agree, and I think it is becoming more a apolitical. I think. You know, we've talked about this a few times. There are people who are might have been anti-gun a few years ago that are now gun owners. And what are they going to do the next time the Second Amendment comes into question or comes into, you know, that that's what I'm anxious to see. Um, We have a, a buddy of ours that owns a gun shop that comes on the show every once in a while. And he his bet is that a lot of these new gun owners are going to be selling their guns back in a few years. Mm. And uh, I'm curious. I'm 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 kind of waiting to see how this I all think pans it depends out. on how much we welcome, welcome them, them in. in. Yeah. So what I mean yeah. by that is they yeah. bought them, but are we getting them to go out? Like, so let's just say we have a neighbor that we took shooting. Let's say the neighbor buys a gun, which they haven't yet, but yeah. let's say that they do. And if we just let them just sit on that gun, it's in a closet somewhere in a gun safe, and nothing ever happens, they'll probably sell that gun. But if we take them out and they come to the 22 shoot with us, and we go out trap shooting with them, and now they buy a shotgun because of that, and then. Now they're a little more invested. I don't think they're just going to sell guns because yep. things change. Now they're actually, they're actual gun owners. They're not just, I got scared and I bought a gun. I, right. I agree with that. Well, so. and we've got to, as a 2A community, we've got to keep uh, being really good role models for all of these folks that are new and keep offering them opportunities to see us as normal, average, everyday people who are just really safe and careful and responsible about their safety and about using firearms. And if we can continue that, what's really great about the diversity of the gun community is that we're going to continue to draw more people in because people on the outside are going to look and see, oh, wow he is from where I grew up or he likes cool cars or she is a mom or she has been freed from a a sex trafficking background Mm -hmm. and is now an advocate for women. They're going to see themselves represented in all the different faces of the gun community and feel more comfortable and confident about joining in and about you know, finding someone like them. And that's often what it's about. It's about finding someone like you so that you can learn and grow and continue to be part of that community rather than just, oh, I bought a gun because I was scared. <laughs> yeah, not not right. not viewed as uh, rebels that are trying to overthrow the government. Right. <laughs> right. Um, are, are you still involved with the DC project? Yes, absolutely. And I was going to mention them as well. Yeah, it's can you tell, tell our for- listeners a little about that? The DC project was started about five years ago by Di Muller and she kind of, she's competitive shooter, former law enforcement officer. She had a vision of bringing women together from these diverse backgrounds and coming together as a unified group 
in Washington, D.C., where we can meet with our legislators and meet with our representatives and share our personal stories. And it's been really effective because, again, um, in an industry where it's often seen as mostly men or the old white guy or whatever the case may be, uh, now you've got representatives who are sitting down with these female faces and female stories and and female passions. And they're like, oh, my gosh, they care about the Second Amendment. They care about gun rights and they are supportive of them. And the DC project has inspired me personally on a personal level. I am the Alabama state director and I had an opportunity again before COVID to go and speak before committee committee here in Alabama about permitless carry. And that was an interesting thing to do. There were very few women except for our good old friends from Moms mm. Demand Action. Yep. And I walked into that uh, nearby restroom and there were the red shirt <laughs> Moms Demand Action ladies everywhere. And I just, you know, happened to be there washing my hands and getting ready. Oh, my gosh, we're so glad you're here. And what's your name? Blah, blah, blah. They were so excited I was there until, <laughs> uh, yeah, until I got up to speak. And one of the first things I said is these women and these mothers do not speak for me. And I need to make it very clear that these moms do not speak for most of the moms that I know and that I interact with. And here's why. And they were oh, just God, like, I wish oh, I was no. able to see that. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> they, that was like the worst thing that could ever happen because it used to be, you know, mostly older white men speaking yeah. for these different gun laws or against these gun control. And now they've got a, a woman, a mom speaking against it or for whatever the case may be. And they were just, they had no idea what to do with that. Oh, wow. By the way, I love the fact that I'm able to say old white man because I'm slowly becoming one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not fat, though. So No, I, 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 I have to work on that. I gotta, well, and know. I hate to throw around that term because obviously... I, I say it tongue-in-cheek, you know. It's, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> yeah. We've so, got a lot of great people out there who might no, feel like definitely. they resemble that remark. No, no. De- no I, and I, and it, where it comes from is just I shoot a, a ton of trap and ski and a lot of some of these guys they have twenty thousand dollar shotguns but they're oh. like they're like i don't care if if we can't have ar-15s as long as they don't take away my shotgun and i'm like right. well that's not really <laughs> you're missing the point you're missing you're the missing point, point here you know what i mean so th- that's where that's where we kind of come from when yeah. we're saying that stuff you know yeah. so um beth where can people find you Where's the well, best if they're on, yeah, if they're on social media, they can certainly pop on Instagram. I don't know why, but I just went with Beth619. That's my birthday. Okay. <laughs> so they can find me there, just, you know, some more laid back kind of stuff. But I'm also on Facebook with Pacifiers and Peacemakers with Beth Alcazar. Okay. They can find um, what events I'm going to be at or what classes I'm offering. Or Zuckerberg hasn't canceled video. you yet? Not yet. I know. I'm just waiting for it any day now, right? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. So, listen, we like to play a game on the show called Run and Gun. Um, and I was wondering if you'd play with us today. Oh, boy. Here we go. Sure. All right. So, it's 10 rapid fire questions. And we want you to answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. And it is timed, Beth. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> as soon as you put that timer on, you know it turns to brain mush, right? That's just the way it goes. <laughs> You'll be fine. You're pretty sharp. You ready for this? I guess. All right. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? I love my 629 Smith & Wesson revolver. Hmm? What gun would you buy if money was no object? 
Oh, a really fancy custom AR-15 for sure. Cool. If you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? George Harris. He's my mentor and my buddy. I always appreciate his insights. Favorite caliber? Nine. Favorite hobby, not gun related? Baking. (laughs) (laughs) If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, invisibility. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Pistol. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? Darn it. Uh, <laughs> I want Coley on Noir because we talked yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's time for Top Gear. Let us test it before you invest it. All right. So on this episode of Top Gear, uh, we're going to do a little review action. And I'm going to review the Revcon holster, which stands for Reversible Convertible Holster from Black Arc. And Keith, a while back, you had asked me, uh, I guess a friend of yours was getting a gun. Yeah. Yep. And you had said, uh, do you have a recommendation for holsters? Knowing that I buy holsters like crazy. I I knew you had a drawer full. Yes, I do have a drawer full. And uh, I, I said, you know, I don't own this holster, but I've been eyeing it up. And I said, this is the one I would recommend. And I think he bought it, right? It, he, he he didn't buy this one for his first one. And he wasn't happy with the first one, bought this one and is now happy. Okay. Mm. So I finally got one for myself. <laughs> it's called the Revcon. It took me a long time to figure out why it's called. It's reversible convertible. Mm. But I didn't click and make that. You, you thought know, it was a, like a convertible I just didn't make the connection. Yeah. But this is why I recommend it, especially for new gun owners. But I really do like it. Um, I have it in front of me. Uh, we've already safety checked this yep. firearm, right? So we're good. What I like about this is you can turn it into all these different types of holsters. So you can make it appendix. It has the wing on it right now. Yeah, so that wing, I was, I, I was when you, before you came in yep. and we got going, I was like playing with this wing and I was like, how the fuck this? So the wing, just me, the belt is? pushes down on this and it pushes the handle closer to your body. Ah, got it. Okay. But that wing comes off, right? Uh, and then you can take this, the clip, I know no one can see this, but the clip right now is set up for an appendix, so it would be in the waistband. You could put it at three o'clock. You can change the cant so that you could tilt it forward a little bit if you wanted at like the three o'clock or four o'clock position. So that's two ways you can carry it. I've got to upgrade my house. You can reverse the clip to the other side if you're a left-hander. Oh, yeah, I see that. Which means you could also use it for cross-draw. Yep. Okay, so that's a third way. Cross row would be a third way. And then you can actually use the clip here. You can replace the clip. They sell a um, outside the waistband mm-hmm. for it. Okay, okay, so you could, and actually this clip will actually work a little bit outside the waistband too. It's not as good, but it, it, will, it will work. So you can do outside the waistband, cross draw, appendix, inside the waistband, strong side, you know, you can go left-handed, right-handed. And I, you know, it, it, at first it, it seemed like a little bit hard to pull the firearm out, but once I put it in position, it was yeah. much easier. These clips, if no one's ever used these, these are called the monoblock clips, and I paid a little upgrade for these. Um, so this holster is a $45 base, and then I added the wing, and I added this monoblock clip, and that brought it to $58, the way I'm configured. This monoblock clip, one of the problems I have with a lot of my inside the waistband holsters is that they tend to shift Dig. around a little bit. Yeah. Sometimes they move. I, I, the car seat will push it forward. These things, it's not going anywhere. They're super, super strong metal clips. You could take a feel if you yeah. want. I really like them. I like these monoblock clips. Any holsters you guys get, take a look at them. So this is so much better than the Mick that I'm using. 
<laughs> I'm not making you feel like you need an upgrade. Me, I need an upgrade. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, some of the pros I had, I like the fact it's, it's multiple configurations is really nice. It covers the trigger guard. Keith, put this in there. It yeah, covers the trigger guard like really nice. Like sometimes there's a little gap in there. Can this help you get over your fear of appendix? I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I really am. So, Beth, I mean, for the for just so you know, I want to carry appendix really. He doesn't want to shoot his pee pee. Yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, are you getting the firearm out of the holster and back in with opening your hips so that there's no chance of you? I know how to reholster. It's just <laughs> the idea. When I, you know what? Thank when you, I'm, Rob Pincus. Yeah, when I'm yeah, right. <laughs> when I'm sitting, it just scares me a little bit. But anyway, uh, I'm gotcha. working on this. I also love the <laughs> He's fact. Just got to get over it. Yeah, I just got. It's a mental block. So I also like the fact that it's made in the USA. That's yeah. a really nice thing. I only have one big con, and that is it only has a one-year warranty, which doesn't really concern me because nothing's going to happen to it. But usually, Kydex holsters are almost always they're very hmm. they're fairly inexpensive to make, and everyone gives a universal. It makes you feel better. Yeah, lifetime warranty. So I, I kind of wish that they would change that to a lifetime. I mean, I don't think it would. It, it seems like a great holster, and I don't think it would get abused. So I really are the lifetime warranties a little more expensive. Those warranty, those holsters. Yes, that's probably. I think that's probably why. But I just feel like I mean, still, I feel like how many people are going to return this thing? It's it's solid. It's Kydex. Nothing's going to happen to it. You Hmm. know. So I. That's just for me. It just says that you stand behind your product, and I just wish that they would do that. I love the holster. Well, you remember that that bit in Tommy Boy. You know, when you put a warranty on a box, all you really, if you want me to take a dump in a box and guarantee it, I will. Yeah. Well, that's why I bought it. I'm not worried about it, but I just kind of think it's a nice touch. The other thing I will say is this wing, this mod, this wing here, it, if you loosen the tension so the gun comes out easier, it gets a little wiggle to it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I had read they fixed that. I got a call that maybe I'm not doing something right, but I'm not going to say it's a con because maybe I'm doing something wrong. It could be me. Could be us. Yeah. User so, error. User yeah. error. Exactly. We, we we tend to do that when we test gear. <laughs> yeah, we screw things up a little bit. <laughs> but when we do, we always make good when we yes, figure it out. Yes, that's true. That's true. So, so Beth, uh, did you bring something for us? Well, something that I absolutely love, if you hadn't heard about before, is the GPS handgunner backpack. Have y'all seen this range no. bag before? I'm, lo- I'm looking it up right now. Okay, GPS handgunner backpack. I love this thing. I guess... You know, a place for everything, everything. Well, you in carry its place. two firearms, so you know, you need you need an, another <laughs> apparatus yeah, this, to do so. This is this oh, is these an are nice. awesome range bag and it's, yeah. it's a great system for carrying everything very organized. Um, this is not necessarily the bag that I would use to take to competition shooting, but this is a great bag that I would use and I would put together for maybe a class. I love how it's a backpack, so it's really convenient to be able to carry it that way. It makes it so much easier than trying to lug it around by just toting it with the handles. And it's got literally, it has little icon pockets and uh, different little areas and um, I guess compartments that yeah. hold practically everything. This one imagine. that uh, that we're looking at, that's I think it's. Is it cheaper than dirt? I mean, wow, that bottom with all those different compartments you can Isn't carry. Isn't that like, cool? That's yeah, that's really a removable cool. foam cradle. And so you can store four handguns, I yeah. think, vertically and and pretty easy to reach in and safely grab that or or see which uh, gun is in each compartment. There, a, little, a little pricey for, for a is. backpack. But it's a it specialty is. item, though, yeah. right? Like, that's like, it's not like a regular <laughs> backpack. I, I like this little thing here where 
it's like you has a spot for you to put like rolled up um targets. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yes, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and that way again for folks like me, I I love the organization part of it, but when you're looking for something, it literally has a picture of it. Like there's an icon of your ear pro or your Oh, your, for yeah. each pocket, they've already <laughs> told you where to put things. Oh, I know, cool. which is kind of that funny. That is cool. Yeah, it's I need got a place that. for stapler, tape, ammunition, yeah. cleaning supplies. It's pretty crazy. And a key. I see one for keys. Yeah, this. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I need. If we I, I need review that, there'd be no user error. They yeah, would tell us what that, to do. We would right? mess that one up. That <laughs> is why we need that one. Yeah, yeah. it's super handy. I and really it's like, like I'm it looking. It's lot. like 120, 125, 100 bucks. 100 if you're bucks. getting an off-brand one, are are you using this solely as a range bag, Beth? This is a range bag that I would put together for a class or just, you know, my own training. If I'm doing competition shooting, I've got a separate bag that already has a lot of extra stuff. But this yep. this bag is great because I'll just repack it for whatever specific task or purpose. Okay. Interesting. So uh, could it be used potentially for like um, like a go bag or like an EDC? Totally, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, just forget those icons. Put whatever you want to in there. Make your own icons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, maybe somebody won't go in there because they'll think it's just headphones. Well, that's not, true. You know. yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, I think it's time for the boys to sit around and shoot the shit. I always feel bad about that. I Is just think with... I was just going to say maybe we should put boys and girls. Uh, yeah, I feel bad. I'm sorry about. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Got to got to call the sound. Guy. I'm I'm a one trick pony. That's all I got. Sorry. All right, so. <laughs> We got to bring, we got to wrap this up with a little Thanksgiving theme. All right. So um, we're going to play a little game and it's called Rapid Fire Recipe. Get the right. double entendre. You changed the rules again. I did. Right before we got here. I really I did change it. This time, it's, this time it's my fault. So here's the rules of the game. Uh, Keith, I'm actually going to make you go first. <laughs> of course you're going to make me go first. <laughs> um, you have 60 seconds. I'm actually so, going to get a timer here. Oh, man. You get 60 seconds to describe what it is. And to give basically the recipe, how someone would oh, make it. God. And if you get it wrong, you get that. If I, I mean, if, you, if, if you don't do it within 60 Within minutes. 60 seconds. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This, this The worst part about this is my, re- like, I, Beth, I do the, the don't big holiday meals for my family. Yeah. And I'm always, I'm, I'm doing crazy above and beyond things. So this is going to be really hard for me Ooh. to do. 60 seconds here. All right, when am I going? When am I starting? Do I have a I'll, t- tell you, I'll tell you. Are you ready? All right, yeah. Set, go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I'm sorry. Right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, you're funny. All right, I won't. Are you ready? I'm ready. Go. All right, so my recipe is uh, a turkey brine, and it's a citrus turkey brine. Basically, you're going to start with uh, kosher salt, brown sugar, peppercorns, uh, some berries of your liking, bay leaves, thyme, sage, rosemary, parsley, cloves, and tangerines, oranges, uh, lemons, uh, both, all three. Any of those are fine. Water and ice in a big cooler. You're going to do a, put enough of that in, uh, enough of that liquid in there to submerge however big of a turkey you have. You're going to leave that turkey in there for at least one day, maybe a little longer if your turkey is bigger. Uh, Take the turkey out, dry it really fast, uh, and then throw it in a turkey fryer. And Mm. then you're done. That's it. And you did it in under 60. 
I feel like I left a lot out, but that's the meat and the potatoes of it. 49 seconds. That was pretty good. You left out all the specifics. We have to figure out the percentages. There was no way, Beth, no way I was going (laughs) to be able to do that. I'll I'll put it in the show notes. All right. That sounds good. You better put it in the show notes. We're all going to want to make it. You know, we've got two days before Thanksgiving here or whatever. We got to. We gotta have our recipes in order. I can make so that you happen. gotta show me the timer so I can buzz myself if I screw this up. All right, done. All right, ready? Go. All right. So mine is actually the day after Thanksgiving recipe. Cheater. So it's the leftover. Oh. Cheater. So it's this is called it's called turkey croquettes. And basically you take equal parts of uh turkey, stuffing, and mashed potatoes. So one to one to one ratio, right? And then you mix it all up in a bowl, you mush it all together, you take uh, basically, you take a little clump of it, you make a little ball out of it, and then you're going to put it in an egg bath, and then you're going to bread it, and you're going to fry it. Right. So you're making a fried ball of deliciousness. Yeah. And then we, you could serve it with a little gravy on top. I like a little ketchup, maybe a little hot sauce, a little sriracha on it, make it a little spicy. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a great day after because it, it takes care of all the leftovers and what isn't good when you fry it up. Mm, shoelaces are good when you fry them Exactly. Up. Leather, baby. <laughs> And that's mine. Is that it? That's it. All right, 50 seconds. Pretty good. Yeah, I highly recommend, highly recommend for anyone. We got to family the next day and stuff. You, you fry these things up. They're really good. Beth, are you giving us a baking recipe? Actually, I wanted to give y'all one of my favorite Thanksgiving go-tos. Like, I feel like my family has to have it or it's All not right, Thanksgiving. All right, so hold on. We're going to give All you right. a timer. Hold okay, on. Okay. Keith, Keith, give it. Three, two, one, go. Okay, this is called Seven Up Salad, and I first learned how to make it when I was in eco- like one of those not economics, <laughs> one of those home ec. one of those yeah home ec yeah in uh, like elementary school. So you need a box of lime Jello, and you're going to dissolve that in hot water like you normally would. But then you are going to mix in eight ounces of cream cheese, or so like a block of cream cheese, until it's nice and smooth. So you can mix that up with a hand mixer or something. Then you're going to add seven ounces of 7-Up. So that's in place of your water. You just pour that in there with all the foam and all that goodness. Fold in a can of crushed pineapple. Then you're going to stir in marshmallows to your liking. I think the more the better. And then you're going to chill your salad until firm and then serve it, of course, like you would kind of a normal Jello. Wow, fifty-four seconds. Did I, make I, it? I wow, almost okay. had to buzz you. And I was like, I was like, do I buzz her? I'm Darn like, I, I'd have to buzz her. I mean, I, I rules For, are rules. First of all, your home at class was way better than mine. Yeah. I learned how to make freaking grilled cheese. Okay, that that's Oh. Uh, yeah, it sounds delicious though. So uh I love it. You had I me at it. seven. It's like up. one of those dessert salads, right? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, you know, what's funny too. I feel like salads are not necessarily like something you get a lot of at Thanks. Like you may get like a regular like side salad or something, right? But that's yeah. a good, right. good one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I love when you can call a dessert a salad any day. I'm all for seven up salad. It's really yeah. a dessert in disguise, but that's, that's okay. You can eat it with your turkey and it offers a little citrus kind of tartness and it's really go, good. Go perfect with that citrus brine turkey. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, so uh, I want to thank you, Beth, for being on the show. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure, and uh, you know, I, I think certainly all the stuff you're doing. I've read all the articles, and you're just uh, a really big help to the Second Amendment. And we need people like you in the industry. So I'm glad that we're able to expose our listeners to you. And uh, I certainly look forward to reading a lot more of your articles because I actually learned a lot from the ones that I read already. Inspiring us to carry a backup weapon. Yeah, backup weapon. <laughs> Yeah, next time I talk with you guys, I, I want to hear about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. 
To everyone listening, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. We want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so we can keep the conversation going. Happy Thanksgiving. Don't forget to eat the bird. Eat the bird.